I am so excited to share 20% off my favorite adaptogen blends with you. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. The more I researched this, the more I realized the easiest and best way to enjoy adaptogens is with superfood blends that can be added to water. I found Organifi, and now I love it. Organifi has an amazing little thing called Red Juice that is a red berry antioxidant blend that has cordyceps, rhodiola, and reishi. Cordyceps boosts energy, immunity, and stamina. I drink it during every podcast recording now. And when I'm stressed out and not sleeping well, I take green juice mid-morning. And guys, I finish every day now with either gold or gold chocolate. So this is a mixture of reishi and calming adaptogens and turmeric. It's either, it's kind of like a hot chocolate or like a turmeric warm drink at the end of the night. You just mix it with warm water and it has helped me so much. It's way more effective than the sleepy tea I was drinking. So they're both the same drink, just different flavors, gold or gold chocolate. I love it. I've totally fallen in love with Organifi. All their superfood adaptogen blends are 100% certified organic. They have high quality ingredients. They are free of fillers and they taste really good while also providing a clinical and effective dose of adaptogens. You can support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high quality superfoods without breaking the bank. Go to Organifi.com forward slash wellfed. Our code wellfed will get you 20% off, which is a awesome discount. Organifi, so that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash wellfed. Go to that link. Use our code wellfed for 20% off. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome, friends. We are so happy you are here. You are here for a reason. It is no accident that you found this podcast and us, and you're listening to this episode right now, so get excited because there is something here for you. This is episode number 372. I am your host, Noelle Tarr. My website is coconutsandkettlebells.com. There you'll find a lot of different recipes and articles and workouts. All the show notes for all the episodes of the podcast are there as well. You can even search episodes by topic. You can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com and then click podcast at the top and scroll down to the about the middle of the page and you'll see all the different topics. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and today I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper, who is an author, OG, paleo blogger, PhD, dancer, just watched a video about three minutes ago before we started of her dancing last night, doing lots of spins, and she is the very definition of a gorgeous and kind human. Today, our topics will include osteopenia in younger women and what can be done about bone density issues from a holistic perspective. I know that this is a topic that is becoming more and more relevant because more and more people are struggling with bone density issues. So I really want to dive into that. We're going to be talking about supplements for stress, building strength with dumbbells, how to progress, and working out with adrenal dysfunction and chronic stress. Hi, Stephanie. Hey, that was, you were so kind to me. <laughs> Look at us. It was, wait, is, are you saying that that's something new? Well, no, but it was a very, I'm, I feel flattered. Thank you. you Hello, everybody. Be. How are you? you I should, should be. be. You're, it's an, it is an honor and a privilege. You are wonderful and stunning. <laughs> I've been sharing all of our, because we had some, we had a couple of nice exchanges and DMs and, um, I don't know. I think I sh I must have screen. Did I screenshot it and share it to my stories? I might have. Um, Around your birthday, you yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's really sweet. We get sentimentals, sentiments, sent to sent. What? How do you want to shorten it? You want to breathe for <laughs> <Sense>. sentimental? <laughs> we get sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So how are you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. There's a lot of change of foot. Changes of foot. A foot is an underappreciated adjective. Especially as a Changes dancer. a foot. I, I like that. 
<laughs> I love it. And um, another phrase that I used to use a lot, and I, um, I haven't recently, I've forgotten. And I think I just sort of let it like sink to the bottom of my mind because I didn't want to remember what the way that I used to live because of the last few years. But the phrase is footloose and fancy free. <laughs> it's my favorite phrase. And uh, my mother and I used to um, joke about it and laugh about it. Um, it's a fun way to, de to describe the ways in which I have historically lived. So anyway, changes afoot um, and it feels healthy. And I'm being very vague. If you want some slightly less vague snippets, you can tune into my Insta. I really like sharing news on my stories because I can't. <laughs> Because it disappears. I like delete and restore a yeah. story like 20 times. <laughs> you know, it's like, should I say it? Should I not say it? Should I say it? Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm really good. I'm uh, I'm actually I'm wrapping up um, some projects. I'm wrapping up some projects, and due to circumstances, um, we'll be leaving Boston for an unforeseen amount of time. Wait. Um, okay. <laughs> Wait. So where are you going? Um, well, first things first is I'm going to go see, uh, my fam. I'm going to go to Michigan, which is where my fam is. Uh, and then who knows? Okay. Yeah. Maybe I would, I'll have, I would maybe expect I'll have nothing less. <laughs> maybe I'll have more news for you that, um, in next, in our next episode, but as it stands, um, I'm taking things one day at a time. Yeah. That's the one thing that's constant is Stephanie is always changing. But loose and fancy free. Change is so fun. <laughs> it is a good one. I like that. Yeah. Um, thank you. Nothing new over here. I just do need to make the note that I have a cold coming on. My kids have been snotty and sick and coughing all this week. And like this morning, I woke up with that that hit that tinge of a sore throat. So I started mm. pounding my supplements and I'm, I'm s drinking my throat coat so that I have a, a decent voice for this podcast. So apologies mm. in advance. Um, I will say there's maybe two things, but one thing I do want to tell everybody about because it's been life changing. I use a facial brush now to wash my face. I've been, I've been talking about this a lot. There is uh, a couple different. You remember Clarisonics, how popular they were? Yep. Okay. So I have been diving into basically how can I do, because guys, I just turned 36. This is what happens when, you know, you start to, things change. So I started diving into a little bit more about like, how can I what kind of treatments, what kind of things can I do? Like, what is the basis of these? Because I want to know, like, when somebody gets a facial, when somebody goes in to get certain treatments, what's actually happening and how is that restoring youthful skin and reversing the fine lines, wrinkles, and all that kind of stuff? So I did a lot of research as of late. I um, ended up sending it out in, in an email a couple weeks ago just about how to do at-home facials and what's actually happening in those treatments and how you can do that kind of stuff at home. And one of the things that I realized was that I don't do like the basis of anti-aging treatments is a lot of resurfacing and like exfoliation to try to get rid of that dead skin cell layer and to kind of bring new skin 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 cells skin cells to the forefront um, that are healthy and glowing and all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of thinking about like how I clean my face. And I, I really have always just done it with my fingers. Um, and after when my birthday came around, I got my in-laws always send me some money. My sister does. So I invested for the first time in one of those facial brush brushes. It's silicone. I think it's called Foreo. That's how you pronounce it. But now all I do is I use the exact same cleanser. It's a nourishing cream cleanser because I have... Um, sensitive skin. So I try to keep it very basic with my cleanser and then layer up on the treatment. So it's the uh, beauty counter. What is it? Cocoa cream cleanser. It's a, that's what I use. And I've been using this facial brush and you turn it on and it vibrates. I got the Luna 2, I think, not the Luna 3, not the one that's like Bluetooth and connects to your phone, just the basic one where you turn it on and it vibrates. And I wash my face with that, with that now. My face is so darn smooth just because of this little vibrating silicone brush. And I am freaking <laughs> in love with it. I don't, I hate doing stuff at night, but man, it actually works. And now I get why people loved that Clarisonic. Although don't get the Clarisonic, obviously 
you know, I don't think it's even available anymore, but it would get a lot of mold. And now people obviously have moved to like silicone because it's antibacterial, all that kind of stuff. But it is worth it. It gets my check of approval and I do it every night now. I love it. And it, the, the essence of it is, is it really does help the cleanser go deeper, but it also helps like exfoliate your skin. And then when you're applying your products, your treatments, you they'll be better absorbed, which is what we all want. So I'm a fan. I'll link to it in the show notes. I have no, <laughs> there's no, this is not a sponsor. This is just me being like, this is what I found. I love it. Um, but I highly recommend. So. Wow. I'm going to maybe, you know, I actually, uh, I wash sometimes just with a washcloth. I don't even use cleanser. And this sounds uh, way healthier for my skin. So I I think I think you would like I think you would like it for sure. Um, mm, I, do you, cool. you can use like a very basic gentle cleanser, but this is, will work it deeper into your pores. Also, I just have like a lot of blackheads on my nose. And do you remember back in the day when you'd have those like, what were they called? Pore strips or whatever. And yep. you'd be like, look at the trees. Yeah. So I have to figure out a way to do kind of that extraction at home. And one of the ways that I do that is do the um, deep cleansing brush, then use something like an extraction treatment. So like a charcoal mask. So I use the beauty counter charcoal mask right after that. And that helps a lot too. Also, if you have like a facial steamer, if you guys have been seeing this, this has been a lot very popular as of late. You can actually get facial steamers. If you, if you know how to use it correctly, it really works. Facial steaming really opens up your pores so you can cleanse with like a cleanser brush. Use the steamer to open up pores. You need to use distilled water. Then do your treatments like your extractions, your your masks, or your like resurfacing masks. Beauty Counter just came out with an AAH resurfacing mask. I've been using that. You can use that. It'll be more effective than, you know, apply your moisturizer afterwards. So I'm all up in it now, guys. And I actually just put in got on the wait list for like a holistic esthetician in this area just to kind of maybe go to a facial. <laughs> I, I know. This is what happens. I'm like, my skin though, I need to <laughs> I need to stay youth- youthful. Mm. So I'm about mm-hmm. 36. It's really the first age that I'm like, uh-oh. Um, <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I'll if yeah, I'll send you more information. Um Okay. Okay. So before we get started, we have some questions to get to. We actually have four, which I know Steph hates, but we're going to do it. Before we get started, um, as a quick favor, can you please leave us a review of the podcast? You can easily do this wherever you listen to the podcast. You can leave your review, but you can easily do this in Apple Podcasts while you're listening to this. You just click the three dots. If you have the episode up, you click the three dots in the right-hand corner and then um, click go to show. Scroll down a little bit and you'll see where you can leave the review. It's been a minute. We haven't asked for reviews in a few years. (laughs) A few years. Look, do you want us to give you a war that you can participate in? Because I got into a pretty (laughs) fierce fight about Pink Ladies this weekend. Not that much. Uh, one of my friends here was having a birthday party and we went and I told them all about my 12 apples a day thing and all about the podcast and the apple wars. And they're like, wait, but what's the superior apple? And I was like, well, clearly it's Fuji. And somebody was like, what about pink lady? And I was like, see, and I was like, we should hang the eyes emoji (laughs) or like the slow lemur. YouTube video <laughs> with like the focus on the eyes, like mm-hmm. the slow Loris. Sorry, the focus on the eye. Anyway, um, yeah. So if you want to, like, I'm still, I still feel very passionately about Apple brands. If you want to include that in your review, I would love, I would love to know what team you're on. And for new listeners, we just love. We had, we had, <laughs> we had a phase where Steph used to eat a ton of apples, and it was like so not paleo, right? Because it was like ah, fruit, sugar, blah. like there was a day. Y'all. Right. But we don't participate in dietary norms without (laughs) reason. So, right. Exactly. So, Steph used to eat a lot of apples. She used to be pretty forthright about that. Like, stop, eat your carbs, eat your apples, folks. And then somehow we got into this debate of what's the best apple and clearly it's pink lady and Steph was like, like, food. And I was like, so. So Fuji Pink Lady, whose team are you on? That's what you can share in the review. If you're Granny Apple Smith, just don't just stop <laughs> listening right now. <laughs> that th- Granny Smiths have a purpose, like not the trash can, like um, you know, like pies. Although sweet pink ladies are great for pies. 
So yeah, and apple pie bars, apple I'll pie bars, that. which I have on my website. Okay, so we would appreciate that. We had like we've had like one review this year, so make it <laughs> help help us. Okay, let's get to the first question. Question number one is from Rachel looking for support. I'm a recreational triathlete and I absolutely love training with my friends. Just found out I have the worst and most rare kind of stress fracture in my tibia. I'm sure it's partly because my bones are weaker from previous years of hypothalamic amenorrhea. She's doing a DEXA scan next week. Any Anyone have experience with this or had good outcomes? Um, and I also followed up with Rachel and asked her what it was, and she does have osteopenia. So I know, okay. Steph, you were looking at a little bit of this. Um, I would love mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts about what you found. Thank you. Yeah, so... I have some similar experience and I never really got it looked at, but there was, I had about seven years ago now, I fractured both of my wrists when I fell and we didn't look into it further. It's possible that I had robust bones at the time, uh, but it's also possible that they fractured because I had gone through a long period of uh, restrictive under eating. Uh, And so it's something that's been on my mind since then. Uh, And I've done a little bit of reading about it here and there. I think it's uh, it's really important. We kind of just we don't think about our skeletons very much. They seem very static because they're bones and we're like, bones are hard and bones don't, you know, bones are just bones. Bones are always there. Uh, But there's this entire field of studying bone metabolism and it's a continual cycle of bone growth and restoration. Like it doesn't stop. You know, it's kind of, kind of amazing to think about actually um, that you're, cause it's like, mineral in a sense, and your body is always creating it, uh, which is fascinating. And I have also learned that uh, it's yoked to like pretty much everything in your body, your circadian rhythms uh, and the uh, the hormones you secrete when you eat and, you know, all the hormones, it's actually all quite interrelated uh, and your bones do a lot of regenerating at nighttime. So having an, having a like solid circadian rhythm can also be like quite good for your bone growth. So um, this, yeah, this is an ongoing thing. Um, there was some initial insight into how bones work uh, a few decades ago where people became really interested in calcium, right? It's like, oh, bones are made out of calcium. So eat a high calcium diet, right? Like, okay, <laughs> let's dig a little bit Drink deeper. Drink your milk. Yeah. Drink your milk. Um, yeah. Yeah. Marketing. And uh, and also so then started taking a little bit of a deeper look and realizing that there was quite a correlation between estrogen levels and your body's ability to build strong bones, which was like very interesting. And so then um, many people started looking at hormonal therapies and especially for people uh getting on in years, right? Menopausal women who do would do hormone replacement therapy because a lot of people struggle with um, bones becoming more porous uh, later in life. And so there was a question of like, if we do uh, estrogen therapy, can it help? Uh, and to a small extent, it, it can, right? So we're taking a there was this deeper look, there's calcium comes onto the scene, estrogen comes onto the scene, um, vitamin D, you know, the body is uh, uses vitamin D for a lot of things. And one of them is absorbing calcium. And so um, those things sort of come onto the scene as as interventions that things you can take supplements or what have you. Um, and by the way, I, I know that Rachel was asking about the DEXA um, scan and I've never done it. I don't have experience about it. And I don't I don't unfortunately know enough or feel like I have the resources to learn enough to speak authoritarian. Um, authoritatively about it. So uh, I'm not going to comment on the scan. I do know that it's the, you know, it's the standard, it's the most accurate assessment. But beyond that, um, I'm sorry. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to talk about what we could all be doing, um, what we could all be doing for our bone health, uh, regardless of what our scans come up as, because again, this metabolism is ongoing and it does become Um, more challenging in times of stress, in times when your circadian rhythms are disrupted, in times when you're under eating and in times when you're um, getting older. And actually, all of us are getting older all the time. So um, I just want to like, I I don't, I very rarely quote from studies, but I found this so 
powerful a, a snippet from a study I read. So um, a lot of studies are like done. And then there are reviews of studies, which sort of look at all of the literature and attempt to uh, understand like the bigger picture. I really like reviews, right? Because uh, you can learn comprehensively about all the different methodologies and things that have been looked at. And then there are like meta analyses that are reviews of reviews, which is super cool. Um, but this study uh, looked at published studies. It looked at 26 studies on bone density and women and um, under eating because it has become clear that women who go through under eating and they look at there's a lot that looks at um, diagnosed anorexia, right? Diagnosed under eating, diagnosed hypothalamic amenorrhea when you lose your cycle due to under eating or exercise. Like it has been established and it has long been thought that like estrogen was a key player, right? Your estrogen levels fall and then uh, and then you don't like synthesize bones at the same rate. And a lot of hormones were looked at. Uh, but in this study that looked at 26 other studies, um, it has found that hormonal therapies have limited effectiveness in increasing bone mass, whereas increased caloric intake resulting in weight gain and or mm -hmm. resumption of menses is an essential strategy for restoring bone mass in women with functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. Therapies containing an estrogen, dot, 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 here's an ellipse, um, did result in variable improvements, but failed to restore bone mass to that of age-matched controls. Other hormonal therapies didn't really have any sort of impact, um, like in terms of like testosterone and DHEA. Um, that didn't help. Uh, but in contrast... Reports describing an increase in caloric intake that result in weight gain and or the resumption of menses um, are a result in an increase in uh, bone concomitant with an improvement in bone formation and reduction in bone resorption markers. Anyway, here's the thing. For ages, we were drilling into specific hormones, specific supplements, specific minerals. Yes, we should be making sure we're getting vitamin D and calcium. But if we want to be restoring bone mass, the trick is eating more. Isn't that just like, <laughs> I mean, it's very affirming of what we've always been saying, but like mm -hmm. the big picture is when you are getting enough calories, when you are reducing stress, when you are taking care of yourself, your body is in enough abundance to like make bones, which are not rocks, but you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like your body needs help doing those things and it's calories, you know, it's the whole system. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to go on the pill, which could help a little bit short term, like fix whatever. Like I, I'm all about that as a short term strategy, but long-term eat more. That's uh, that's the thing. And also, of course, and I imagine that Noelle might want to talk about this, um, impact and weightlifting, good for bones. Yes. Right. You know, because it's stress on the skeleton and it's stress that you, but like the healthy kind of stress, you know, that you need to build it. So anyway, these, this is um, just something that I'm, uh, that I feel passionately about. If you are active and follow a whole foods diet, you need to be thinking about electrolyte replacement. Take it from me, who did not consider electrolytes for a very long time. Don't make the mistake I did. So here's the deal. You lose electrolytes when you sweat, like when you're working out, even when you're doing things like going into a sauna and when you go to the bathroom. These electrolytes have to be replaced through your diet or through supplementation. And if you're following a whole foods diet, which is naturally low in sodium, you can actually be chronically deficient in electrolytes. And even if you salt your foods, it may still not be enough if you are working out and sweating regularly. So this can show up as, or a deficiency can show up as dizziness, muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, seeing stars when you stand up, sleep disturbances, especially on workout days, which was my experience. Electrolytes are important because water absorption in your body is dependent upon the absorption of key electrolytes like sodium and magnesium and potassium. And if you are guzzling water throughout the day or you find yourself super thirsty, you can actually be flushing out your electrolytes and you may actually be in need of electrolytes, not more water. Element makes 
grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplementation. You just take an Element Recharge Packet, tear it open, mix it with water, and sip on it. There is no sugar, gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. I've been using Element regularly on workout days and it has made such a difference for me in the last year. I don't feel so thirsty or empty throughout the day. I don't have that dizziness I used to when I go from sitting to standing post-workout. And just as a tip, when you're drinking it, mix it in about 16 ounces of water. And then if it starts to get a little salty at the end, just add a bit more water and stir and sip on it as needed, which is what I do. I always, It's called second drink. <laughs> That's what I do throughout the day while I'm sipping on it. So grab a free sample pack of Element by going to drinklmnt.com forward slash well-fed. All you have to do is pay for shipping. So it's a box of eight. Again, that's drink, so D-R-I-N-K, element, L-M-N-T.com forward slash well-fed. You can click on get yours. And if you have already bought yourself some boxes, use that link to buy three boxes and get one free, which is what we do. Yeah, me too. And I, I, you know, from a, even from a, I didn't know all of that, but even from a different perspective, I've kind of been toying around with this. And let me just say, Rachel, I'm excited. I'm happy that you're discovering this now because I do feel like it's something that would have just progressively gotten worse had you not realized that. And that's what I think this is such a great learning opportunity for everybody, for all women, especially when, because look, the the world, society, diet, culture, the health and fitness industry has told women largely that they need to be eating less and moving more. And when we talk about exercise, what is it? It is running and endurance stuff. It's cutting your calories. And this has left, left so many women in this massive deficit nutritionally, but also calorically. So when we're talking, this is the, the big key point. One of the things that we really hit on with our book is that when you are in a caloric deficit and that's how you exist, you are also in a nutrient deficit. And things like fat-soluble vitamins, which are so crucial, you know, we've all also women are, oh, eat low fat. Um, and we've demonized red meat and we've demonized, you know, the whole, all of that stuff. It's like our, our minerals now are so low. Our fat-soluble vitamins are so low. Bones need D and K2 to have minerals actually absorbed, which I'll get to in a second. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we've essentially created this chaos in which women are now getting weaker and weaker. So I'm excited that you've you found this now. Osteoporosis is actually a major indirect cause of death for people over age 50 because if you break a bone, you break a hip, you can acquire infections from the hospital or you have a hard time, like a lot of people in the older populations have a harder time with the recovery and all of that and end up, it ends up taking their life. So it can, it can actually save your life to have stronger bones and to be stronger overall, muscularly, you know, we're talking about balance, flexibility, all of that stuff. So the conventional approach to osteoporosis and osteopenia has always been take more calcium. I think we have so much evidence now that kind of shows that that is so ineffective because the evidence shows that like in before that whole marketing scheme, which my husband loves marketing schemes, like he thinks everything's a scheme when it comes to marketing, which it's not right. But a lot of things with marketing are how can we get people to buy this product because we're going to kind of manipulate them and make them feel a little bit of fear. So with this whole calcium movement and drink more milk and take your calcium and all that kind of stuff, when that came around, there was very, very little evidence to begin with that showed that calcium supplementation actually helped. So you'll see a lot of multivitamins for women um, have, you know, get stronger bones, all that kind of stuff. And it has really grown weaker with some of this new research published in the last few years. And we also have evidence that calcium supplementation can actually increase your risk of heart disease, of prostate cancer, and of kidney stones. And one of the things that I find sad is that a lot of foods, like even like orange juice, processed foods, like orange juice and cereals are enriched with calcium supplementation. So a lot of people are getting calcium supplementation just from the foods that they're eating, which can make matters worse. You build bone the same way you do muscle. First and foremost, you have to have mineral excess. You have to have the things there, right? The substrates there to actually build the bone. But you also have to signal to your body 
to build that bone. It's like saying saying that calcium builds bone is like saying, well, just eat more protein and your muscles will get bigger and stronger. No, you actually have to send a signal to your body that says these bones were through load, through, you know, incremental load, weight bearing load that otherwise known as strength training <laughs> that, hey, we need more strength here. We we are we need to build up density. And so that's why strength training, resistance training, using weights has been so profound at building bone. And a lot of people in the you know aging community will start to lift and won't be able to really even sit in the beginning, but then can build up this strength and, you know, have the ability to do some bodyweight squats, maybe 10 bodyweight squats in a row and also has have better bone density. Healthy bone formation, and this is really key. It's also really dependent upon fat-soluble vitamins, most notably found in things like grass-fed dairy products, grass-fed meat. In particular, vitamin D and vitamin K2 are needed for minerals to absorb into bones and teeth, guys. This is a big thing for teeth. If you have a lot of cavities or you've really, you know, have a a lot of problems with your teeth, it's because potentially, you know, there's a lot of things going on there, but one of the causes can be that you're not getting in enough fat-soluble vitamins, not through supplementation. Guys, taking vitamin D3, taking K2 through supplementation is not the same thing as getting it through food. And so we need, you know, people have gone inside more. They're eating lower fat, all the things. It's, it's this, again, it's this perfect storm that has kind of created this issue of bone density, especially for women. So the best source of vitamin D and K2, egg yolks, beef liver. That's why there's a lot of people who really sing the praises of beef liver, grass-fed meats. Um, and there's also other minerals like involved with supporting bones like silica and magnesium. And that's why magnesium is really important. When we're talking about osteopenia, that's loss of bone mineral density. But osteoporosis is actually that more serious progression. So that's the difference and when it comes to the stress fact fracture and the sports related, I do my recreational triathlon training. I love it. Now I have this stress fracture. I will, I don't kill the messenger on this, okay? <laughs> but I think we have to be aware of the fact that endurance training is not great for our bones. It's also really, I mean, Essentially, what you're doing when you're doing cardio is you are putting your body in a state in which it's kind of, you know, especially if you're doing this longer endurance everyday kind of stuff, you're putting your body in a state in which it is chronically stressed, it's chronic cortisol production, the longer stuff, it's it's a lot of wear and tear on your body, but it also, your your muscles are being used up because endurance stuff is not your body is is brilliant it wants to you're running a lot so it's going to make you try to be better at that so it's going to lead to muscle loss of muscle and it's also going to lead to bone density issues because your body is not actually that's not a load in which your body can build bone density from that why do i say that there are there are studies that show that women who like recent literature that shows that women who run long distances have lower bone density than women who just sit around, which I think is a little alarming. And it's not just running. Cyclists were actually classified as having low overall bone density per the criteria set by the American College of Sports Medicine. So I think it has to do with this overexposure, too much stress on the body, not eating enough, not having the presence of enough calorically and minerals, not strength training, having some muscle loss and and that as a whole is like so many women in our country, right? That's like what so many women do for quote unquote health. And I will note, it's not just like running is not just bad and cycling is not bad, right? So like there's also studies that sprinting, higher intensity work was actually found to increase bone mass. So sprinters had higher bone mass in their hips, for example, so it's not running as the endeavor that's the problem. I think it's this chronic, it's how and when and how much, you know? And so I don't want to take that away from you, but I do think that long-term health, especially after my 
I have an interview coming up with Sal Stefano from uh, Mind Pump, and we I really wanted to dive into osteopenia and osteoporosis with him, but I, I don't think we got to that. We did talk about a lot. But one of the things that we really dove into is why resistance training and strength training is so profound when it comes to all the things that we want to like all the things that we want in life when we're talking about metabolism and overall health and adrenal health and stress and and bone density and muscle like all those things we get that from strength training and we don't necessarily get that from cardio or endurance training so and all those fitness benefits can come from resistance training as well so i think that moving forward we need to really be prioritizing strength. And that doesn't mean that you take away. And look, I was a triathlete. I've done lots of triathlons. I've done marathons. And uh, just for me in particular, I always felt chronically stressed and inflamed and all of that. But I loved it. And I always thought I would never find another way to, you know, I never I've, I always thought I would never find that feeling anywhere else. And I can tell you that I have for sure in strength training, in doing high intensity training and sprint work and shorter workouts. I love it. It's my body feels stronger. I don't feel you should not feel gassed. You should not feel you should feel gassed, but you should not feel wiped out after your workouts. You should not feel like, oh, I can't even get up. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, just I got to lay here. Like that's no, that is not healthy. And so as women, I think we just need to have an understanding of, okay, I need to be in caloric excess. I need to be focusing on minerals. I need to be focusing on fat-soluble vitamins, but also I need to be prioritizing strength training. And how can I have a more balanced workout protocol where I'm still doing the things I love? I'm doing running, I'm doing cycling, but I'm doing it in a way that is going to benefit my health long-term. So I don't want to, I know you love it. I don't want to take that away from you, but I would just encourage you maybe to find other things moving forward that you can rotate in that will bring more balance to your programming. So any thoughts, Steph? Uh, <clears throat> we are team weightlifting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought oh, I'd, hear, I'd hear the day. Did you ever think you'd hear the day where you'd say that? What's how? Oh, uh, well, I was never anti weightlifting ever. No, but me now neither. I'm like but... very pro it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Question number two is from Melanie. I'm on day two of taking Suku bye-bye stress gummies after a panic buy when my children were screaming at the grocery store. Opinions on this supplement. Melanie, this made me crack up. I was like thinking of you in the grocery store with your screaming children, which, you know, moms, we you get it when your kids are acting a fool in public and you're just like stressed and you're like, I'm buying these. It literally says bye-bye stress on the bottle. Another great marketing tactic here. Um, but it does have some clinical ingredients. So I'd love to hear what you think. I I've have it pulled up. Maybe we can just mm. go through what it's got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, <laughs> my notes on this is all caps, three words, no hard pass. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Okay. For me, for me, it's a very hard pass um, because of my personal physiology. And I'll tell y'all why. And you can assess whether it would be a hard pass for you. Um, so there are three active ingredients, uh, or sorry, four. Three of them, I um, one is L-theanine, which we have discussed at length recently on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I think it's very cool. Uh, you can also just drink some green tea uh, if you want some L-theanine or fine, take it in supplemental form. Uh, there is lemon balm and there is rhodiola. Uh, both of those things are known as adaptogens, which <laughs> one website described an adaptogen in the funniest way. Um, I wrote it down because I thought it was so... Oh, a natural substance that increases your body's resistance to stress in nonspecific ways. <laughs> <laughs> and then I put LMAO um, because it's like, again, like adaptogens can be really lovely. And I know that Noelle has used them to great effect. Um, and I have tried here and there. Uh, I think we might be talk. We might talk about ashwagandha. I had a very interesting experience with ashwagandha where I thought it was helpful for my sleep, but it um, I got spotting between my periods. Uh, yeah, I I mean, there's no way for me to know for a hundred percent sure that that was it because there was a lot going on at the time. But like that that very well may have been it. You know, like the timing lines up. So um, my point is about adaptogens. Is I'm I'm kind of wary because. They do have effects, but there's actually, like it says here, like nonspecific ways. Um, but they're 
they're not rigorously studied. And so it's, it's kind of hard to really get your fingers on how they're going to affect you, right? Like it's been said for hundreds of years or thousands of years and people have used a lemon balm or people have used a uh, mint or people have used this. Um, cool. Like I don't knock tradition. I think that there's a lot of ton of wisdom that is underappreciated and undermined and all like, I mean, not mind enough <laughs> um, about like adaptogenic herbs and all of these things, you know, I just, I personally um, step carefully and it doesn't mean that you like trying them isn't worthwhile. You know, I loved the way ashwagandha helped me sleep. It really like, it really did, you know? And, uh, but I, I fell out of the practice uh, for many reasons. So yeah. So, so anyway, so there's all that. And then the final active ingredient is GABA. And this is the one that I take um, pretty strong issue with taking. So uh, for me personally, um, GABA is a neurotransmitter. It is the primary inhibitory neurotransmitter in the brain, helps you calm down. We love GABA. GABA is so important. We love GABA. I love GABA. I've tried taking GABA. It really messed me up. Um, so um, like all things, and this is another note of caution for like supplementing, especially with things that, you know, or not rigorously studied. Um, most systems in your body run on feedback loops, right? So we talk about, for example, hormones, estrogen, right? Progesterone, you get on the birth control pill, your body runs on feedback loops, you have an abundance of this hormone, your body stops producing it because you already have an abundance to feedback loop. If you have an overabundance, your body's going to weigh dial down its production, yada, yada, yada. GABA, and, and for some things, like they tend to be, have one action, <laughs> but if you take too much of them, your body doesn't have enough time to clear it and it will result in a different pathway to metabolize it and will have like different results on your body. So there are a number of adaptogenic type things and GABA is not an adaptogen, but it is a neurotransmitter. And when you take a neurotransmitter, <laughs> like that's a, that's a, that's like throwing a rock in a pond, right? Because you have a very delicate system and you're throwing a rock in a pond. And, um, my experience, so GABA is very calming, but I took GABA and I got like very hyper, right? And, uh, there's also a very big question of whether, taking GABA can cross the blood brain barrier in the first place. And it has been hypothesized and I haven't read this literature in a few years. And so I apologize if there's been further work on it. And if I'm totally out of date, that it has been hypothesized that GABA taking GABA will only impact people who have a leaky blood brain barrier. <laughs> mm. Um, but it definitely impacted me and it impacted me negatively. Now I've read about people who have taken it and it's been a great help, especially in like a lower dose. Um, but there's this question of a, whether it can affect you at all and B, like if taking this neurotransmitter is going to, if it's going to be the right dose for you, if it's going to help you, or if it's going to upset like the really delicate balance in your brain, this is why instead of taking GABA, I take, 80 to 120 milligrams of magnesium threonate and about 250 of glycine every night because these are two things that help the body produce GABA on its own but don't but aren't actually GABA itself so that's my um that's my pedestal about taking GABA and again like go for it try the supplement you know but like I I would I am not even I wouldn't I wouldn't try this for all the reasons I, I just said, but mm. that's very personal, you know, and I wanted to give that context because it could be different for other people. And this could be a great supplement for some people. If you are a female and you are living in the modern world, you likely deal with some form of anxiety and or stress and or sleep issues on a semi-regular basis like me. And one of the things that's not talked about often that can help support stress and anxiety is magnesium. Many people understand that magnesium helps sleep, but the body actually needs magnesium for so much more than that because it's involved in 80% of the body's metabolic reactions and about 75% of people are not getting enough magnesium, especially women, because stress burns up magnesium. 
One critical thing you can do today to support your adrenals, hormones, and mental health is to take a compound magnesium supplement like Magnesium Breakthrough. Stress and anxiety deplete your magnesium levels. Low magnesium levels can contribute to more anxiety. It's a vicious cycle. So by supplementing with Magnesium Breakthrough, you can break that cycle because you'll be getting seven unique forms of organic full-spectrum magnesium for stress relief and better sleep. I've been taking two every night before bed for the last couple of years, and it's one of the only nutrients that I'm like, this is, this has to happen daily. And there's a new and improved formula with Magnesium Breakthrough, so they're making it more absorbable, which I really appreciate because they want to make sure we're getting our magnesium and we need it. Uh, For our exclusive offer, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash wellfed. Our code is wellfed10. You will also save if you buy in bulk, which we do. And I just went ahead and added a subscription because I keep running out and I know that I'm going to be taking two every night. I know my husband is too. So we buy the bulk option. I just went ahead and did a subscription every three months, which gave us an additional discount on top of that. So that's nice. Again, our link is Mag Breakthrough. So it's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash wellfed. Our coupon code for 10% off is WellFed10. I think within that context, like, okay, so, well, outside of that context, I, I don't, I don't know if it's going to do anything profound. I think it's like Steph said, with, with any supplements, especially with adaptogens, you have to take them and see how they impact you. There's no guarantee that it is going to make you feel the way that it is that you want to feel. Bye-bye stress. I kind of, I think it's cute. This isn't going to do anything. The supplement isn't going to do anything to improve your stress response. It's more of, so L-theanine, we, you know, we talked about this for a bit on a previous podcast, and it is really great at improving. So if you feel anxious or a little nervous, or you just feel sort of uh, like up and you want to feel a little bit more chill, L-theanine is great. I don't think 100 milligrams is going to do much. I think you need to have a minimum of 200 milligrams, in my opinion. I take between four and 600 milligrams at night, but I don't don't necessarily think the 100 milligrams is going to do much. And I don't, rhodiola is just not my fave. It's, but again, this is just me. If you look up and you look into different adaptogens, rhodiola is more about, I can't, now I can't even remember. I think it's a little bit about improving energy levels and making you feel like you have a little bit better energy levels, whereas ashwagandha, which is what I prefer, tends to help support healthy cortisol response. It helps manage blood sugar. It does help get you give you a better night's sleep. So I like taking ashwagandha as a stress supporter. And then if I am looking for a little bit of an energy pick-me-up, I like cordyceps because that does improve energy and stamina and focus and all of that. So you take that in the morning, you would take, you know, ashwagandha in the evening. Again, and I want to make this point clear, is that supplements aren't going to take away your stress. They can improve the way that your body feels and or responds minimally, but it's not actually, it's, it's again, it's a supplement. It's supplemental to the foundational things in which you should be doing to improve your stress. If you have adrenal dysfunction, you're not going to get, oh, I'm going to heal my adrenals with supplements and pills. I think that it can help, but you have got to do foundational things to improve your stress. You know, I have a lot of issues, but <laughs> I found- <laughs> So I take supplements. I like taking L-theanine. I like taking, of course, I take magnesium every night. I like taking adaptogens. But I don't expect those things to solve my problems. It's more something to help me to support my body so that I can. So I'm prioritizing sleep. I'm wearing my sleep plus glasses. I'm not doing working late at night. I'm getting in bed by nine o'clock. You know, I'm doing all these things and I will take my gold chocolate drink with a little support uh, like adaptogens in it to help support my body so that I can get into that like chill relaxed state but I could quickly get out of that chill relaxed state if I wanted to and I could kind of it's it's not going to make me go to sleep or make me sleep better it's going to support my efforts to do that so I think we have to look at adaptogens through that light as we're experimenting with them it's not going to solve the problem but it can absolutely support and help your body as you do those things to heal 
this is just a side note. That's not nothing. Not not what Melanie was asking, but I think that if you take these and it makes you feel better, okay. But also you could probably do this in a better way, which is take L-theanine at night, take um, support GABA production like Steph was talking about, and then use um, adaptogens very intentionally like ashwagandha when you're feeling a little bit more stressed uh, or um, reishi at night to help you relax and get your, you know, unwind and get to sleep easier. Um, and of course I use, I do Organifi now for that, for that stuff. I have, I have looked at like Gaia herbs. I love Gaia herbs in terms of herb, herbal support in any way, shape or form. Um, and so if you would want to take pills in that way, I don't find it as effective. I like being able to add hot water to things and drink it at night. So that's why I do the gold. There's like a turmeric gold, um, reishi drink at night that I drink. You can, you can get 200 milligram pills of L-theanine. I would recommend that. And then um, you could do something with ashwagandha if you wanted to in the morning to help support you during times of stress or something with cordyceps if you need just a little bit of energy or pick me up. Um, So that's the thing. So question number three is from Cynthia. She says, how do you increase dumbbell weight? For example, I can lift 15 pound dumbbells for bicep curls, 10 to 12 reps. But when I move up to 20, I can only lift three reps with good form. And then I usually drop back to 15s. Um, So I'll chime in with my own experience and then let Noelle do the um, the nitty gritty uh, fitness I have, I have a, it's very quick idea. Um, how do I, so, um, for me, uh, if I do three reps, I do three reps and then next time, hopefully I'll do four. Right. Um, for different exercises, obviously I, I, I have different, different amounts of reps, you know? Um, and I am totally cool with that. I am very, very pro moving up to heavier things. I'm very pro heavier things, um, kind of for what about what we were discussing earlier, right? Like I could do like a hundred of something with some amount of weight and I'm being very nonspecific because (laughs) intentionally I could do a ton of something, right? But I would much rather, um, for the sake of my gains, move up to something heavier and just progress with that, um, Cause I want, I want the kind of stress that like builds, that builds muscle. So that's a, uh, that's my very, very brief answer. Okay. Mine was going to be brief, but now I'm thinking about other things. Two things quickly <laughs> that I just want to have as a foundation before then I, I do my two quick recommendations is that one focus you don't, you're not strengthening your bicep. The only way to strengthen your biceps is not just with bicep curls. That's an isolated isometric movement. The way Mm -hmm. that you can really build in strength is to do compound movements. So there are many things that build bicep strength, like heavy bent over dumbbell rows. If you have a bench, you can get a heavy dumbbell, 25. You could probably even move up to a I would stick with like a 25 dumbbell, but you could even move up to a 30 if you're doing for six reps and you can do heavy rows. That's going to build bicep strength. You could work on pull-ups. You could work on push-ups. All of those things are going to engage all of the muscles and it's still going to build your bicep strength and you're going to be able to load heavier and heavier. So bicep curls are not the only way to strengthen your biceps. You can move to other things, other compound movements that engage the biceps. And you could even Google that compound movements that engage upper body compound movements. And you'll see a list of compound movements in which muscles they quote unquote target or engage. The other thing is that with strength training, I think a lot of us, a lot of women tend to do a lot of different things. So we just kind of pop in the gym and we do, we're not doing things consistently. If you want to build strength over time, you've got to do the same thing over and over again. So pick a six six to eight week period, pick two different workout sets, do that every week, because then you're going to be getting stronger at it. If you're doing bicep curls randomly here or there, it's not you're not going to see significant strength improvements and you're not even going to see the physical improvements that you want. If you want that definition, if you want that visual change, which I do like, you know, you you need to pick two workouts, do that workout over and over again. And I would say by week 
three to four, possibly with four, you should be able to to move up in weight and you should be able to, even if it is just for half of it or the majority of those reps, or maybe the first, maybe what you do is if you have four rounds of something, the third week you move to a heavier weight for the last two sets or even just the last set. And then the week four, you're, you move to that heavier weight for the last two sets or the last three sets. And then by the last, you know, let's say it's week six to eight of this, you know, section or this, this um, workout plan that you're doing, you should have been able to bump up to that heavier weight. So consistency, do other compound movements. One of the things that you can do that I find very, very great for, um, improving strength is negative training. There's also something called German body comp, which I used to be really, really into that. But you take lighter weights and you basically the contraction. So you are lifting that weight up, like pretend like you're holding a dumbbell, you're doing the bicep curl. You go, you count to four as you're lowering the weight because we can actually resist and hold a lot more weight as we're lowering than we can when we're contracting and counting to four as you're lowering that weight will build a lot of strength um, pretty quickly, but it's pretty painful. So just FYI, you can be really, really sore after that, but it's very effective. So try moving to negative training. If it is really like, I really want to build my bicep curl strength um, move to the negative training and that should help. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. My quick thought. Okay. Last question is from Alyssa. She says, re adrenal insufficiency. How can I incorporate exercise, exercise slash movement when overcoming adrenal fatigue? I used to be very into fitness, especially strength training, but autoimmune and adrenal insufficiency have forced me to take a pause. It's like I take two steps forward and one step back as I'll gain some energy and momentum, but even gentle walking, can lead to exhaustion. Yoga and Tai Chi are better, but still make me very tired. I have the most energy in the morning, but I if I use it all up, then I often crash during the day. And by the evening, I'm very tired. So workout then is out of the question. But I crave movement. and I don't want to succumb to muscle wasting thoughts. And then as a side note, she says, I've given up coffee and on an I'm on an adrenal protocol with my functional practitioner. It helps the day-to-day energy, but anything extra seems to suck whatever is left from my very bones. I really like uh, your thoughts about this and the intention that you're like, bringing to your movement. Um, I Something that I just, I want to um, hold out for all of us to think about is the question of fatigue and how to navigate it. Like adrenal insufficiency, um, perhaps, uh, you know, I don't know how you came to this conclusion. I don't know how anybody comes to these kinds of conclusions. And, um, often yeah, I do a ton of self-diagnosing. So like, I'm, I'm not saying that that's, um, wrong, but I do want to flag that fatigue can come from so many things. And it's, uh, I would, if you haven't like, done some investigating, I would just keep an open mind about other places that it could be coming from. Uh, Just because, yeah, I think that's really important. Fatigue is implicated in so many different things that you can be that anybody can be going through. Um, So I just want to hold I want to hold that forward because it's um, it's it's important and energy, uh, the way that we approach restoring our energy, you know, has has a lot to do with again, with where it might be coming from. That being said, like my personal perspective on dealing with adrenal issues is a question of cortisol resistance, right? So your body, you produce a lot of cortisol over time and you become uh, kind of insensitive to it or your circadian rhythm gets a little bit messed up, right? And so you're just not hitting the same energy peaks. Um, these are some things that can happen. Again, I want to reiterate, I think fatigue can come from a lot of different sources. Um, but uh, if those things are happening, right, and what your body just needs, I mean, we could all just like use a giant reset button every once in a while. But if uh, you're in a state of cortisol resistance, if your circadian rhythms and your you know energy fluctuations are off, then reset buttons take a long time, a long, like a long, <laughs> a long time. They can take a very long time because your body has um, 
like I would think of it as nested systems, like all these different, it's almost like you think of like picture a bunch of gears, like, and there's the tiny ones and big ones and they all like are going and in circles and there's this wall full of gears and they turn each other and some of them are little and some of them are big and they're all, they all play roles that are varying importance. But if you have, if that whole system's gone offline, if parts of the system have gone back online for the whole thing to get back up and running, like all the little gears have to have to go back to turning. And this means, you know, and again, it circles back to this question of like fatigue comes from a lot of different places. And so like, say you have certain nutrients that need to be restored or certain aspects of your gut that are leaky or your gut flora are off or different hormones are not firing at the, you know, appropriate times, like all of these different pieces rely on one another and are multidimensional and play a role in your energy and your uh, adrenal sufficiency. And so resetting needs to give enough time to enough pieces of these gears that the whole picture can get moving like more solidly together. Um, and like for some examples um, in my personal life, like I didn't eat dairy for many years because it gave me acne and it took me like years to bring it back. I did, I took a spironolactone for my acne and people ask me all the time, like, how long did it take you to recover from taking that? And I'm like, I don't want to say it's the same for everybody, but like several months to a year and I did the years and I had to figure out a lot about how to like supplement and take care of myself in that time. Um, but a lot of these processes can take many many months. I'll just say that several months is usually the time frame I, I give to people several months and they go faster, the harder you hit that reset button. And this is like, I say this about hypothalamic amenorrhea and getting your period back all the time. People are like, well, how long does it take me to get my period back? I'm like, if you increase your like intake by you know, a couple dozen grams of carbs a day or a few hundred calories, I don't know, some months. But if you add a thousand calories and you're eating a ton of ice cream, like you can shorten that window, right? And so if you sloth it up, if you like, if you really sloth it up and lean into that as like the thing that my body needs and I'm going to like enjoy this, if you really sloth it up, like I think these things go quicker. Now, again, to reiterate, fatigue can come from so many different things, you know, including being super slothy. And so I don't want to... <laughs> Um, so it's, it's very complicated, but generally speaking, like I'm a huge fan of rest and movement feels amazing. I love dancing. I am, I do it all the time, all the time. I love it. Okay. Like I get it. I, I understand like the neurochemicals that are involved and how great it feels to move. But at the same time, like think about the joy that you get from movement and why you love it. And can I get it another way? Right. Can I get it by like standing on a bridge with the wind going really fast? Like, I'm serious. Like, it was part of the movement, like just being outdoors in the elements, right? It's part of what you enjoy about movement, like a communal aspect of it. Say, if you're used to um, going to certain like spin classes or something. And I, I know that the endorphins from actually moving are, are their own. Um, but there are other ways to sort of, you know, lean into dopamine, you know, to get those kinds of feelings um, while we let our bodies rest. And so, uh, I, yeah, I encourage you to think about them and just like love the act, the art and the act of taking it slow while you like have this imperative to do it, like cherish it now because it's, <laughs> it won't always be there. Um, I mean, you know, again, it maybe, it maybe could, but like yeah, we're given what we're given. And so we may as well like cherish what we're given, you know, and, and appreciate the state that we're in and enjoy it as much as we can. So um, those are some sense. Okay. Yeah. I think I love that perspective. I think that you do have to look at this like almost like an injury because if so, you know, I can relate it, it, you, your body craves movement. You want to be moving. And I think a body bodies do need movement. And when we find movement that we love, they crave, the, you know, our bodies crave them. Our mind craves that. But your body, there. So, for example, and this is the way I put myself in your shoes, is that when I had severe back injuries and was postpartum and really couldn't do anything for a year, it wasn't that I wasn't craving the movement. It wasn't that I didn't want to do it. 
I hated not doing it. I hated not being able to move and do all that stuff. But I knew that my body, my back couldn't handle it because it needed, we were in a different phase of life. We were in a phase of rest, recovery, management, and PT work, which is not that enjoyable. So I think that you have to shift your focus to this isn't forever, but it's for now. And maybe you take weeks, weeks off, months off where you're not doing anything. And then maybe you just experiment with, you know, you're you're focusing on sleeping as much as you can, resting as much as possible, eating all the nutrient-dense foods. And then you start so small because what I think might be happening is that you are doing Even if it's just a walk, are you trying to push it? Are you trying to say, oh, I can get it to a mile or it's not a real walk unless it's a mile or I've I've got to get 20 minutes in? Start with like five minutes or maybe just like two, you know, just go for a two to five minute walk and start there and do that like once a week and slowly build up from that because what's happening is you're pushing your body too far. And maybe it's a not the right time to do that. Or maybe two, it's you're doing too much. And what kind of why I think you might be doing a little too much is because you say you don't want to succumb to muscle wasting. And doing this, taking care of your body isn't succumbing to anything. It's taking care of your body It's doing what your body needs right now. And so muscle wasting is way low on the totem pole when it comes to the overall health of your body and the function of your hormones and your endocrine system and your adrenals and your stress response. All of that has way more priority than is my can I keep up my muscle mass because you can get your muscle mass back. That will come back, I promise you, once you have once your body's able to function properly. And if you keep pushing it and you keep trying to move through life, pushing through this stress to try to make sure you're not succumbing to muscle wasting, your gains are going to be so far down because we we know we have to have a healthy body and healthy hormone response to be able to build muscle. So you will be able to, you'll get so much more from letting your body heal and then getting back into it slowly and building up and building that strength again and improving muscular function, your strength, all of that stuff when your body is healthy enough to do so as opposed to continuing to try to push it and try to, you know, I've got to do this today because I don't want us to come to muscle wasting. You're going to be on that road for the rest of your life and you're never actually going to fully heal. So um, keep that in mind and just don't, you do not need to feel shame or guilt for taking off and, and doing what your body needs. That's the stuff. Anything from you? Anything else? Uh, no. Thank you (laughs) very much. Hello. Okay. Bye. That is it from us. Thank you so much for being here, guys. For more from Stephanie, you can follow her on the Insta at Stephanie.Rupert. Is that right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I'm at Coconuts and Kettlebells. My website's Coconuts and Kettlebells. We love you guys. Thanks for being here. We'll talk to you next week.